Good morning. I'm Pastor Rob Elliott. I serve as a senior pastor teacher at Calvary Bible Church. My wife, Beth, joins me along with the whole Calvary Church family in expressing our sincere Christian condolences to Anique, Christopher, Shannon, Bettina, and Danielle, as well as all of Vanjie's family and friends. I'm grateful, family, for the opportunity to minister God's word on this occasion. Vanjie is the reason that we are all here, but Vanjie is not here. You are here. You are here to look around and up for God's perspective and hope is found in his word. Every human being is made in God's image. God is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but one. You and I, made in his image, are three parts, but one to each of us. We have a body that helps us relate to our environments. We have a soul that helps us to relate to other persons. And we have a spirit that helps us to relate to God. When Vanjie's soul and spirit were dismissed from her body, they were not dismissed to stop existing or to float aimlessly around somewhere. Instead, they were dismissed to go into God's presence. They were dismissed to go back to the one who gave them in the first place. They were dismissed to wait for a sure and certain reunion with Vanjie's resurrected body. I like Ecclesiastes 12, verses 6 and 7. They read, Remember him, that is God, before the silver cord is severed, or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and watch now, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so I repeat, that Vanjie is the reason that we're all here, but Vanjie's not here. You and I are here to look around, to look up, not for a preacher's opinion, but for God's perspective and hope is found in his word. And certainly the Holy Spirit is here to help us in this very worthwhile investigation. Shall we pray, please? Dear God, we do ask for your help to know you and your ways better. You have revealed yourself in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in your scriptures, the Holy Bible. We really thank you today for both of these great revelations. Lord, we also know that you are still revealing in all that you want us to know in the full Bible, Genesis through Revelation. Therefore, we ask you now to open our minds and our hearts for truth. We ask you to make us teachable and not proud. Heavenly Father, you have guaranteed us something for which we now claim. Strength in our faith to trust in you with all of our hearts and to not lean on our own understandings. Instead, strengthen our worship to acknowledge you in all of our ways, so that you, Lord God, will direct all of our paths. We know that our paths need to be directed. They need to be directed to your beloved Son, Father. He is the only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. May no one leave today's service without Christ as Lord and Savior. Father God, these are our prayers offered in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
to Christopher and your siblings, the rest of the bereaved family and friends, I too offer my condolences to you. My name is Pastor Anton Wallace. I serve as the Minister of Music here at Calvary Bible Church, and I had the joy and privilege of witnessing your mother's baptism, testifying to her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we will sing in this first hymn, Pardon for Sin and a Peace That Endures, Vanji experienced this pardon from her sins and the peace that endures and the presence, the dear presence of our Savior that guides even unto death. For this God is our God. He will guide us even to death. He is faithful. And may you experience his peace and his comfort, those of you who know him by faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand with me now as we sing our opening hymn together, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and the immediate family may remain seated as we sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. The last verse 
that is not written here. It says, pardon for sin and a peace that endures. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And the child of God like Vanji can say that because Jesus Christ is her hope. Even right now, Jesus Christ is the hope of every believer. And so let's sing the last chorus with those thoughts in mind that Jesus Christ pardons sin, he gives peace, and he is our hope. Great is thy faithfulness last time. Great God's people said, Amen. Amen. He is faithful. You may be seated. Our Old Testament reading will be followed immediately by the New Testament reading, and they will be done respectively by Jacqueline Moxie, followed by Captain Kevin Moxie. Please come in that order, please. Good morning, church. The scripture lesson is taken from Isaiah 55, verse 6 through 9. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here ends the scripture lesson. Morning, church. Our second scripture lesson is taken from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house 
There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how you can. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Here ends the scripture that was given to me. This portion of the scripture I would like to read, especially for the children. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I know that your father has already died. Now it's your mother. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Amen. What comforting truths the scriptures afford us. Thank you, Mr. Moxie and Mrs. Moxie. Sister Martha Albury, a friend of Sister Vanji, will come at this time with a tribute, and she will be followed immediately by Paulette Cunningham and Raymond Tucker, both friends of Sister Vanji. In that order, please. Good morning. On behalf of Calvary Bible Wednesday Women's Bible Study, Ladies Inspired Fun-Filled Exercise Group, and the Greeters and Ushers team we extend our sincere condolences to Sister Vanjie's children and family. May God give you all comfort at this time. James 2, 16 through 18 says, If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Our dear Sister Vanjie wanted more than faith. This more than led to her a life of service here at Calvary Bible Church. She joined the Wednesday Morning Ladies Bible Study Group, LIFE, which is Ladies Inspired Fun-Filled Exercise Group, and the Greetus and Ushers team. She loved people, especially serving and being in the presence of older women. She provided transportation, served meals, instructed dance steps. I could hear her now. One, two, three, four, dip. 
She was always inquiring if there was anything else she could assist with. She loved studying God's word, and her main goal was to place what she heard into practice. Wanting each day to be a living testimony for her family, friends, and church family here at Calvary Bible Church. Sister Vanjie was a virtuous, angelic, nurturing, gentlewoman with a yearning to live a life pleasing to God. Sister Vanjie's friendship was truly a blessing to all of us. You will surely be missed. Your lovely smile and kind words you will forever live in our hearts. We were all totally shocked to hearing of the passing, but we do know that Sister Vanjie is absent from the body, but present with her Lord and Savior. Today, some of us are wearing an orange ribbon, which represents leukemia. We want you to know that we love and support you, the family, as you go through this difficult time. Until we meet again, may her soul rest in peace. We love you, our dear Sister Vanjie. I have a little poem that I would like to share with the children. Being this is going to be their first Christmas without their mom. And it goes, my first Christmas in heaven. I see the countless Christmas trees around the world below with tiny lights like heaven stars reflecting on the snow. The sight is so spectacular, please wipe away that tear for I am spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. I hear the many Christmas songs that people hold so dear, but the sounds of music can't compare with the Christmas choir up here. I have not words to tell you the joy their voices bring, for it is beyond description to hear the angels sing. I know how much you miss me. I see the pain inside your heart, but I am not so far away. We really aren't apart. So be happy for me, dear ones. You know I hold you dear. And be glad I'm spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. I send you each a special gift from my heavenly home above. I send you each a memory of my undying love. After all, love is the gift more precious than pure gold. It was always most important in the stories Jesus told. Please love and keep each other, as my Father said to do, for I can't count the blessings or love he has for each of you. So have a Merry Christmas and wipe away that tear. Remember, I am spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. My respect to the Holy Spirit, 
who is the Lord of my life. To the pastor and elders of this church, family members, friends, good morning. Today I stand here with great humility as I briefly share on the life of my best friend, Vangeline Barnett, who I fondly call Vange. I met Vange over 36 years ago. It was on the 1st of October, 1985, when we were both hired at RBC Finco Robinson Road Branch. She assumed the position of typist clerk and I a teller, respectively. My first encounter with Vange was quite interesting. We actually hook. Yes, we had a row. I really don't remember what we argued about, but what I do remember was we both, two little women, were both feisty. She, she wasn't backing down, and neither was I. She told me what was on her mind, and I told her what was on my mind. To our amazement, as quickly as the row started, it ended, and immediately, before that day ended, we became the best of friends. We quickly realized that we were stronger together and a powerful force to reckon with. This was my first friendship lesson from Vange. She was forgiving, and even though she pulled no punches, she said what was on her mind, and when the matter was over, she moved on, holding no grudges or malice. I truly believe that Vange and I were spiritual twins. We had a bond and connection out of this world. Only God could have placed us together. As iron sharpens iron, so does a friend sharpens a friend. We enjoyed each other's company, had long conversations, encouraging and uplifting each other. Outside of work, our friendship blossomed. Our lives mirrored each other. My eldest son, Raymond, is 35, but Tina is 33. We were, we were pregnant together with our last child. Danielle was born in March, and my son, Ramon, was born August of 1993. They are now both 28 years old. The journey of life may start out as what may look as a fairy tale, but life happens, and not all stories end with, and they all lived happily ever after. It was in 1997, I experienced a family crisis and health crisis. Vange came to my mother's house looking for me and emphatically stated that she was going nowhere. She was going to be with me in the good and the bad times. This was another lesson I learned from Vange, a friend loves at all times. Vange too faced a major adversity in her life in 2004 when her husband and children's father, Sheen, passed away. It was my time to show her that I too could be a friend who loves at all times, and that I would be a friend that will stick closer to her than a brother. As that, by that time, I was completing my divorce and I had been single parenting for some time. So I was able to counsel and encourage Vange and remind her of God's faithfulness that he is more than able to take care of us and our children. There were other chapters of adversities we faced. My banking career ended in 2008. 
and hers in 2017, but all of the challenges we faced made our friendship stronger and our love and bond for each other greater. Time will not permit me to share all that we've been through, but I can truly say that Vange and my friendship has stood the test of time. I fast forward to this year, and specifically these last three months. We spoke almost daily during the last month. You faced your illness like a warrior. You never complained, and your faith in God grew stronger. It is unimaginable that I now open a new chapter of life without you, Vange. You have always been my greatest cheerleader, encouraging me to keep pushing and to never give up. May God bless you, and thank you for being a great best friend to me. Thanks for your kindness, sacrifice, and time you gave me over the years. My life is better and richer because of you. Vange, with God's help, I have adopted your four children, Anique, Bettina, Christopher, and Danielle. So with my two, I now have six children. I have also adopted your three grandchildren. So with my two grandchildren, I now have five grandchildren. But unlike the woman who lived in the shoe that had so many children that she did not know what to do, we have God with us and we will make it because he promised never to leave us or forsake us. Vange, as I embark on this new journey of life without you, I end by singing the chorus of the song, and friends are friends forever, if the Lord is the Lord of them. And a friend will never say never because the welcome will not end. Though it's hard to let you go, but in the Father's hand we know, that a lifetime is not too long to live as friends. Vange, until we meet again, we'll have lots of laughter and stories to share. I love you, Vange. Rest in peace, my best friend. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My heartfelt condolences to the family of Vanji. It's not easy being up here and looking down at you, family, to see what you're going through. But God looked around in heaven. And he looked at all the angels and decided to pick Wanji and said, Wanji, go down to earth and be there for 61 years. And as you be down on earth, I would like for you to let everybody know who I am. Who can find a virtuous woman? Proverbs 31 and 10 says, for a price is far above movies. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, 
That's Vanji. My friend, who I've known for the past 20 years, her children rise up and called her blessed. My dear children, Vanji loved you so much. She gave everything she had for you. And I'll dearly like to tell you that she did the same thing for my family too because I had twins and Banji, she took them in as her own kids. And whenever I would want to go away with my family or my wife, she would always take the children in and she would always care for them while I was away. Here's a humorous part of this whole little speech I have here. And I know you're gonna, you're gonna wonder what's happening. Who's, who's this gentleman up here talking about Vanji like this? That same picture you see right down there? I'm Vanji's life coach, her personal trainer. And so that's why she looks so sexy like that. Sorry for my terminology, but <laughs> God and myself, we take, um, I wonder for that. <laughs> but uh, I want to get on the little serious side of thing. I just said a little humor. Um, Wanji was very passionate about everything she did. And every one of you today, Wanji sent a message to me that I would give to you, that I should give to you before I leave. And that message is this. If you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and personal Savior today, Wanji wants you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart before it is too late. Because if you want to see Wanji again, that's what you will have to do. Because the Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life. And um, on behalf of my family and I, to the pastor and congregation and everyone, I loved Wanji like a sister. She knew the Lord, and she knew what she wanted in life. And everything you see that happened in Wanji's life and happening right now today, it's in God's plan. And God wants you to one day to get to see Wanji again. Because guess what? She's waiting for all of you to come and see her again. Thank you very much. Thank you, you, friends of Wanji, for sharing those thoughts with us. She lived a life that pointed to the goodness of the Lord. And before Pastor Rob Elliott comes with his message that shows us how we all can know the way to heaven, please stand with me as we sing our second congregational hymn, When We All Get to Heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy. 
Amen. You may be seated. Amen. What a day of rejoicing that will be for the believer in Christ. I hope you're a part of that wonderful time by faith. Uh, I had the privilege of, during COVID, um, we divided our church family between all of the elders of this assembly, and I had the joy and privilege of phoning Vanjie every week for two years and talking with her and catching up with how her family was doing, how she was doing, how Anique is doing. And uh, what, a, what a classy sister in Christ, uh, what a content Christ, Christian she is, was, perfectly content now. And um, she'd always say something like this, Pastor, thanks so much for phoning and checking in on us. Really appreciate it. One day she drove over to the parsonage where Beth and I were home, and she said she was coming, and because of COVID, she stayed in her vehicle in our driveway, but she gave us a beautiful uh, aromatherapy bamboo diffuser uh, just as a loving gift to us as her pastor and wife. And I'm going to miss Fangie like we all will. Uh, what a choice, choice woman of God. Um, the message I want to share with you today is called We Know. And uh, it's based on 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 5. Any sermon that begins with We Know and is titled We Know, I think needs to con- confess and admit something. And that is that some things are secret to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 tells us, The secret things belong to our Lord, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And so there are some things that are known only to the Lord. They're secret to him. But there are plenty of things that he has not left secret. Rather, he wants us to know for a fact because he's revealed those things to us in our Bibles. For instance, we know... uh, We don't know, rather, the timing of Christ's return. Scripture doesn't tell us. We don't know the name which we written on Jesus when he returns at the second coming. The Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, We don't know all of the details of what heaven is like that we might like to know, but we know what God wants us to know. And so we confess at the beginning, whereas there are some secret things that are known only to God, I'm here to tell us this morning that based on 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, there are seven things that we know as believers in Jesus Christ concerning life on earth and our death eventually. I want to share those with you in the few moments I will take today. The Bible tells us what happened to Evangeline Criola Barnett when she passed away on November 25th. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 5. For we know, there it is, we know, that if the earthly house which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, as a pledge. And so we know a few things based on these five verses. My question to begin with is, who can know these things? Second question is, what things can those persons know? 
Well, the first thing to say is that it's only the born-again, Bible-believing Christian like Vanjie who can know the things I'm going to share with you right now. It says at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, when the letter was being addressed to the first readers of 2 Corinthians, it calls them saints. Now, that is not to say that these particular historic believers were voted upon by some church and named to be a saint, nor does it mean they should be in stained glass. It simply means that they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, and then God, by his Holy Spirit, set them apart for his possession and his use. And if you know Christ as Lord and Savior this morning, you're a saint. Not for stained glass, but for the streets, for your neighborhoods, for your churches, for your family units at Christmas. Believers in Christ, saved by the grace of God and the blood of Christ, are being set apart for God's possession and use. That makes you and me a saint if we're trusting Christ alone. So who can know what I'm going to share? The persons that can know this most deeply and clearly are only born-again Christians. Second, what can born-again Christians know based on these verses? Well, we can know seven things. Let me go through them very quickly with you. First, we can know that our bodies are like tents. Verse 1, for we know that if the earthly tent, our bodies are like tents. I've done some camping. It wasn't my favorite thing to do, to be honest with you. <laughs> but when we went camping as a family, we always tore down our tents when we moved from one campsite to the other. And so in 2 Peter 1, 13 and 14, this is mentioned, and I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling or a tent to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling, my tent, is imminent. That's Apostle Paul wrote that. He knew that he was soon to be beheaded. He was near the end of his earthly ministry, and he was sensing that his tent, his physical body, would soon be torn down. And when his tent was torn down, and when Vanjie's tent was torn down to physical death, these joined the majority. We alive on earth are the minority. The majority is that people have physically died, Christians going to heaven, and rejectors of Christ going to hell. And so our bodies are like tents. Second point to know the truth, that we know we survive the tearing down of our tents. Second part of verse 1. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When one's tent is torn down in physical death, that person who physically dies does not stop existing. We survive the tearing down of our tents. There was an epitaph of a Christian in a certain cemetery that says, for Henry Smith, on the tombstone it says, Here lies all that could die of Henry James Smith. All that could die of that believer was laid respectfully into the grave, Henry James Smith's body. But his soul and spirit immediately went to be with Christ upon his death. So it was with Angie. And will you notice that when Christians die, our tents give way to buildings. <laughs> I told you I don't really care for camping. I would much rather live in a building than a tent. I would much rather live in a building than a tent. And when a Christian dies, our tents are torn down, but we get a building. And that building is better than a tent. We survive the tearing down of our tents. The third thing that these verses tell the born-again Christian is we know that death is plan B. Death is plan B. 
For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know how we know that physical death is plan B to God? Because Jesus Christ wept at his friend Lazarus's tomb, knowing that in seconds, minutes, he would raise his best friend from the dead. Yet Jesus wept. Physical death is plan B. To die is to pull apart something wonderful which God masterfully put together in the first place. When we were knit together in our mother's wombs, our creator God carefully and intricately put together a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when we physically die, the soul and the spirit are separated from the body. And so in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For thou didst form my inward parts, thou didst weave me together in my mother's womb. So no wonder Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb. He was sensing that what he had intricately put together in Lazarus' mother's womb as creator God had been torn apart. Jesus wept. And so we know that death is a plan B, but not a plan B that thwarts God in any way, shape, or form. And so the emotional pain that you feel this morning is in line with this plan B concept. There's something else, that when Vanji is resurrected from the dead, when the body we with dignity and respect lay to rest in the cemetery today. When that body is raised imperishable, God will knit back together perfectly her soul and spirit, now already with Christ, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. God will knit together her soul and spirit, already in heaven with Christ, with her resurrected and glorified body. And that is in total alignment with plan A in the Garden of Eden. And so what have we seen so far? We've seen three things that we can know. We can know our bodies are like tents. We can, we can know we will survive the tearing down of our tents. And we can know that death is a plan B. What's the fourth thing we can know from these verses? We can know that life here in this fallen world makes us groan. Verse 2. For indeed in this house we groan. Longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling from heaven. Skipping down to verse 4. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Yes, life on this planet Earth, short of heaven, even for the born-again, blood-bought child of God, is a groaning experience. It's difficult. Sin is stained the things that make for a society. And we shine for Christ in the darkness, the injustice, the pain. Here in this fallen world, we all groan. We groan, we cry, we suffer, we have pains, we are realists. We're not stoics. We face the fact that many times life is hard, but God is good. God is good. Amen. Throughout all of your groanings, God is good. Amen. Throughout all of my groanings, God is good. He remains good. 
And so the fourth knowing was that we know that life here in this fallen world makes us groan. The fifth thing we know is that we know that we don't want to be unclothed. Verse 2, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Three and four, inasmuch as we having put it on, that is our dwelling from heaven, we shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but be clothed in order that what is mortal, what is mortal, may be swallowed up by life, everlasting life, eternal life, Christ life. I am the way, Jesus said, and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so the metaphor in our passage changes from tents and buildings to clothing and no clothing. And the metaphor changes from a tent torn down to building that we have taken away, or clothing we have taken away from us, rather, because there's always more than one thing, way to say something so that it's understood. And remember, death, physical death, is plan B for a body to be without its spirit and soul, whether that's in the cemetery or even in heaven with soul and spirit with Christ now, waiting a reunion and resurrection of the believer's body. And so we don't want to be unclothed. After we die, we're in a better state like Vanjie is, but we still have vestiges of the plan B until our resurrected body is reunited with our glorified soul and spirit, and that day is coming maybe soon. The rapture return of Christ for the church. The sixth thing we can know, we can know our final outcome as a believer is a permanent dwelling. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We can know our final outcome is a permanent dwelling. And the metaphor changes again. For our final outcome is a resurrected and glorified, complete reassembly of our soul and spirit and body. And this permanent heavenly body or house will be eternal, verse 1. It will be in the heavens, verse 1. It will be from heaven, verse 2. And it will be swallowed up by life. It will be immortal. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, please, 20 to 26. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ is the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. And then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to, to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. And then skipping down in the same passage to verses 42 to 52, and so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a life-giving soul. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from earth, earthly. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthly, so also are those on earth. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are in the heavens. But just as we have been born the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And so we as Christians need to say nowadays, we didn't used to have to say this before uh, vain philosophies, Christless philosophies infiltrated the Bahamas and every country on earth. We have to say now that the Bible knows nothing about annihilation of a soul. The Bible knows nothing of reincarnation of a soul. The Bible knows everything about bodily resurrection. We as Christians believe in bodily resurrection. Dr. S. Lewis Johnson was right when he said, the resurrection is God's amen to Christ's statement, it is finished. The resurrection is God's amen to Christ's statement, it is finished. Think about that. And so we're almost near the end. Based on 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5, we know a seventh thing. We know that God has pledged us purpose in our deaths purpose in our deaths. Last verse of our passage, verse 5, now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, as a pledge. You know, when I got married, before I got married, when I was engaged to Beth, um, we put rings on fingers to mark that we were for each other and no one else, no one else. And I've worn this wedding band for close to 40 years with great joy and gratitude to God. And this engagement wedding ring that is on my left hand tells me I have a purpose. I am I'm pledged to Beth. And the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us as believers is like a wedding band. It's an engagement ring. It's telling us that we're married to Jesus Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And one day we'll see him face to face like Vanji has. But until that day, we live pure and devoted to Christ. Only Christ. He's our highest good, our greatest glory, our wonderful joy. And so God has pledged for us a purpose in our living, but he's also pledged for us a purpose in our dying. That when we physically die, we move from faith to sight of our bridegroom. We move from faith to sight in our bridegroom. Another way to illustrate this is when I want to send a piece of mail to someone that's very important piece of mail, I register it at the post office. It means I pay extra to get that letter delivered to the special person it's going to, and the post office ensures that no one between my putting it in the post officer's hand will touch or open that letter because it takes photo ID on the other end for the recipient to open that registered piece of mail. When you were saved, the Holy Spirit, as it were, puts you in a registered mail envelope addressed to God the Father. 
And the Holy Spirit sealed that envelope so that no one can tamper with it. No one can take the contents of that envelope. It's only for God the Father to open in heaven and to receive us when we go there. Vanjie was a piece of registered mail that Jesus Christ posted and on the 25th of November, in glory, God the Father opened that piece of registered mail and welcomed her to her reward in Christ. And so God has pledged for us purpose in our deaths. It's a very key word in verse 5, and I'm almost finished. I'm going to sit down. It's the word prepared. God now has prepared us for the very purpose who has given us the Spirit as a pledge. You know that heaven is a prepared place, but only for prepared people? Heaven is not some celestial, open, public park that anybody at all can just wander in. Heaven is a gated community. It's a gated community. And because heaven's a gated community, God says in his word, it's a prepared place. Jesus called it a prepared place, and it's only for prepared people. You have to have more than a pulse to get into heaven. You need a savior. All the things you might trust on yourself, your money, your connections, your education, those keys are all keys that do not open the lock on the pearly gate. There is only one key that opens the lock on the pearly gate, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and his work. And he said it is finished. So we believe it. We trust him and only him. Now, Jesus said to his best friends before he went to the cross, it was read for us earlier, I'm so glad it was. Jesus said, listen, let not your heart be troubled. See, their hearts were troubled. Believe in God, believe also me. That's Jesus claiming to be God. Believe in God, believe also me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. There are many dwelling places in heaven, far more than Bahamar that boasts 1,600 rooms. There are four far more rooms in the mansion of heaven. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And think about it. If Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Spirit created all the beauties of creation in six literal days in Genesis chapter 1, what must heaven be like when Jesus Christ had been there 2,000 years still preparing a place for us? Still preparing a place for us. Vanjie's place was ready on the 25th of November. And so she's there. We'll see her. We'll see here. You know, there are two kinds of persons here today. Those who know and those who don't know. There are two kinds of roads here. There are road repairs being done in the state of Pennsylvania. And at a point in the highway when the road construction began, there were two signs on that road. One said, travel at your own risk. The second one said, road closed beyond the cemetery. But you know what? Spiritually, the road is not closed beyond the cemetery. There are two roads. One, Jesus said, is broad that leads to destruction. And the other road is narrow that Jesus said leads to life. Which road would you be on? I'm not asking about your Grammy. I'm not asking about your mommy. I'm not asking about your wife. I'm asking about you. Which road would you be on? Because funerals are supposed to close the eyes of the dead and open the eyes of the living. My friend, when his son was eight years old, was shopping in Walmart. And my friend is a real 
liberal sharer of the gospel with everyone he meets, and his boy learned young that that was what it's all about. They were going through the Walmart checkout, and David, eight years old, listened, and his daddy said to the cashier as she was putting his stuff through the scanner, do you know for sure to go to heaven when you die? And the cashier said, I sure hope so. I'm a good person. And the little eight-year-old son looked up and said, Daddy, tell her about Christ. She ain't going to make it. truth. So we're telling you about Christ. That's what Vanjie would want today. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Well, are you prepared? If you don't know if you're prepared, you're not prepared. Just bow in respect to God and pray. Lord, there are two roads beyond the cemetery, one broad and one narrow one leading to destruction and one leading to life. I pray for my friends who are here today that they would let the Spirit of God examine them to see if they are in fact in Christ or not. If you know that you're not yet a Christian, right from where you sit, you can make this a silent prayer from your heart to God's. God, I've blown it many times. I'm a sinner. And Jesus came the first Christmas to die the first Easter and to be raised the first Easter. What love you have for me, Heavenly Father. Right now in this church, I transfer my trust from the finished work of Jesus to the finished work of Jesus from myself, from religion, from trying to be a good person. I transfer my trust completely to what Jesus did for me. Thank you for saving me and beginning to make me a brand new person from the inside out. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. You don't have to pray that multiple times. God is not hard of hearing, nor does he have a bad memory. But some of us here today have never prayed that prayer before, and they did today. I welcome you to God's forever family. You will see Vanjie one day. Lord, thank you that we who know you as Savior can live for you. I believe the days are short for us to have that opportunity. I pray that we would be about your business, sharing our faith, loving people with your love, being faithful and active in our respective churches. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to close with Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2. This is my closing. It says, Ecclesiastes 7, 2 said, It's better to go to a house of mourning, we would say a funeral home, than to go to a house of feasting, we would say a hotel buffet. That's very surprising. Why would going to a funeral be better than going to a party? The verse tells us as it ends. Why? Because that, that is physical death, is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. Leave here taking this to heart. Leave here knowing. This would be what Sister Vanjie Barnett would long for to come out as a result of her service today. Thank you for your good attention to God's word.
Thank you, Pastor Rob, for sharing those words of truth that we who believe might know we have eternal life. For our recessional hymn, you will need to take one of the hymnals from the rack in front of you if you are seated in a pew. Uh, if you're in the front, it might be just behind you. We're going to sing our closing recessional hymn, which is number 186, 186. And I invite us all now to stand as we sing this hymn, And Can It Be?
love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the peace that comes through our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all today and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen.